Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. I wonder if you'd join me and open your Bibles. If you have a Bible, it would be great just to follow on from um, the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today. And you'll find it in John's Gospel and chapter 15 which is kind of seven-eighths of the way through your Bible. Just chop it, and you'll find John's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and chapter 15. And we're in a series that we've entitled Last Words. And we've called them Last Words because um, they are effectively the last earthly words that Jesus speaks to his disciples, his succession team, the guys that he's going to hand the whole thing onto. And we said that it's almost as if Jesus is saying, you know, there's going to be some stuff that you're going to forget. I mean, some of the details of the miracles and some of the encounters, and some of you will argue with one another, and you're not quite sure, and you won't remember some of the stuff, and you'll go, what was that that Jesus said? But this stuff, I want you to get indelibly marked in your life, because this is the stuff that you're going to carry. This is the stuff that you're going to take. And this is the stuff you're not going to just remember for yourself, but you're going to pass on to other people. And Jesus has been saying in John chapter 13, he didn't know it was John chapter 13 at the time when he said it, but it is now. And Jesus, Jesus was saying, you know, this is the extent of my love. This is what love looks like. Love, love stoops and love stops and love touches. Love engages with people. It's not a theoretical thing. The full extent of what I'm about is impacting people's lives. I want you to do that. That's what I want you to do. In John 14, Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to understand that you're only ever going to operate out of the security that allows you to speculate on my power when you know there is a dad in heaven who has a house, and his house is home. And when you live out of that, then suddenly anything is possible. And in John chapter 15, it's almost as if he's getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the kind of teaching that he wants his disciples to get. In John chapter 15, he starts to talk about fruitfulness. What is the fruit of your life? What's the overflow? What's the outcome of your life? What's the product of your life? And Jesus is saying to his disciples, there's going to have to be a produce. There's going to have to be fruitfulness. You're going you're gonna to have to be able to measure it. This thing called discipleship has got an overflow to it. It's called fruitfulness. So we're going to read together from John 15, and I'm going to try and make some sense of it, and you're going to try and make some sense of me. John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. And you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Let's just pray. Father, we, um, we're really keen to understand this key stuff. We're really keen not just to get it in our heads, but to get it in our hearts and for it to flow out of our lives. Because we would be fruitful followers of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and uh, impart your word of truth to our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're, if you're here today, and in some way, shape, or form, you may not use these words, um, but you would think of yourself as a disciple or a follower of Jesus, I think what Jesus is trying to say is, as a disciple, there is going to have to be some produce. There's supposed to be some fruit that's coming out of your life. And Jesus um, leaves the upper room. We, we know that because in the, the last verse of John 14, he says to his disciples, come, let us leave. It's a pretty obvious clue. And, uh, and they leave the upper room, and, which is probably situated in the southwest corner of the city of Jerusalem, and they start to walk. And as they walk, Jesus does what he always does. He does this kind of interactive teaching. He's got no PowerPoint slides, and he's not got you know, some kind of lecture notes, but he's, he's talking to his disciples, and almost certainly he looks up and his gaze fixes on the fascia of the temple which had a vine embossed on it. And he pointed and he said, I'm the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Maybe even he started, his hands started to play along the side of the wall, and there were vines there, and there were grapes there, but, but, but almost certainly that's what's going on. He's just using visual stimuli, and he says, you know, I want you to get how important it is that there is a fruit that comes out of your life. This, this uh, following me thing is not a passive or static thing. It's not about showing up to church on Sunday and hearing some stuff and singing some songs and then feeling you got your Sunday fix and you can just go away and live the rest of your life. It's about the fruit that's supposed to come out of your life because of your proximity to me. There is supposed to be a produce for your life. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Let's talk about fruitfulness. Discipleship and fruitfulness are indivisible. They're connected. 
You, you can't be fruitless and a disciple of Jesus. That there is this stuff that is supposed to come out of your life and flow through your life if you say you're following Jesus. You're just supposed to bear fruit, Jesus' fruit. It's supposed to look like Jesus. It's supposed to taste like Jesus. This fruit is supposed to have a grace taste, a righteousness taste, a love taste, a truth taste. And it's supposed to have the same effect as Jesus. It's weird, really, but you're supposed to be able to see and measure discipleship, which for, for the kind of metrics, statistic dudes in the car, they're, they're going to love this stuff. You, know, you're gonna be, you should be able to see pie chart-tastic and, 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 and spreadsheet stuff. You should be able to see discipleship. You should be able to see somehow more and more, day by day, week by week, month by month, I'm growing to look more like Jesus. Look, here's the graph. And those of you who are kind of RT hippie types are going, oh, that's all a bit freaky and I don't like that. But you're supposed to be able to see what's going on. Jesus says there's supposed to be a fruitfulness. But the fruitfulness has a root. And the root, he couldn't make the root more clear if he tried. He says, I need you to learn if you're going to have fruitfulness to remain in me. Jesus uses the word meno, which means remain or, or abide, and he uses it nine times in this short passage of Scripture. You know, when, when God says something to me once, I, I, I sit up and pay attention. When he says something nine times in, in just a, short, a few short verses, you, you, bet, you better believe he's trying to tell you something about how to live a discipleship life, a fruitful life. He says, I want you to abide, 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 abide. Abide, 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 remain, 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 meno, 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 meno. Get the message. There is this enigmatic thing called discipleship. And there is a core and a key and a secret and a prime mover. There is an inner part and it's all about an intimate relationship with the God that made you. And it's all about cooperation with the God who loves you. You can't do anything without him. You just can't. And you can't bear fruit without him. And you can't have a life that flows with the goodness of God without him. And so the orientation of your life, if you want to follow Jesus, is about learning how to remain and abide and, and, and stay and intimacy. The thing is this, remain in me. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. I, I'm, I'm the grape keeper, the vine dresser, the gardener. The word is gorgios. It means earth worker. The father is the earth worker. That's where we get the name George from. The father's name is George. He's, he's an earth worker. And he tends the garden. And he brings forth life. And that's what he's doing with you right now. And then you read verse 2, and you read immediately saying that he cuts off everything that is useless. And you think that sounds very beautiful, and then that sounds very destructive until you understand that in the original language, in the Greek, that word cut off is the word ero, and it could easily be translated, or just as well translated, he picks up or he holds 
And that actually makes a whole lot more sense in the vision of the vine because a good vine dresser, that's what he or she does. They walk around the vine and they see the grapes as they're growing and as they grow, they get heavy and as they get heavy, they begin to touch the ground and if they touch the ground, then they get blemished and they become no good for, for wine. And so, and so a good vine dresser will pick up the grapes and will tie the grapes to the vine and make sure that it's lifted off the ground because here's the thing. The prime job of the gardener, the prime job of God the Father in your life is to make sure that you remain and remain fruitful. That's what he's doing. So he stoops to pick you up and he ties you up and he moves you around and he cleans you up and he lifts you because he is trying to bring out the beautiful wine of the kingdom of God in your life. That's what he's doing. Kingdom love and kingdom joy and kingdom peace and kingdom patience and kingdom self-control and kingdom kindness and kingdom goodness is this kind of overflow of the life of God. And that's what he's trying to produce in you. And so he's lifting in you and he's tending in you and he's caring for you because that's what he's wanting to do. And he's not just wanting to do it in you, he's wanting to do it through you. He's wanting to see an epidemic of the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all that stuff. The fruit of the kingdom of God in the streets of our city, in our town, because he is the true vine. And the Father is the gardener. And you just got to remain. And you've got to learn to remain. And Jesus says, here's the thing. I want there to be more fruit. Lots of fruit. Not just an itsy bitsy little bit of fruit. Not just a, a few bottles of the wine of the kingdom of God. I want there to be an abundance. Look, verse 2, more fruit. Verse 8, much fruit. Verse 16, fruit that will last, which I think means we're supposed to want more of it. But if you're following Jesus, you're supposed to be greedy for fruit. You're supposed to want more. Loads of it. Overflowing. Abundant. Much fruit. And uh, when I start saying that, there's something in me that, 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 I, that I see the kind of prosperity cloud in the room and my poverty dial is turned up. You see, I, I grew up in a culture where, where I was taught to believe that, um, that if you're really serious about God, it, it had to be uber conservative and quite tight, really. And you shouldn't enjoy yourself too much and you certainly shouldn't be greedy for anything. And so the kind of expressions of, of vibrancy and expressions of abundance and, and people wanting more and being greedy for more of God, well, that was something that was frowned upon and you shouldn't get excited about it, but, but you should just accept whatever God gave you and be grateful for it. But it seems to me that the scriptures say you should want more. Do you want more of God? Three of you are nodding your head. Does anyone want more of God? Or do we just want less? Just a little bit. No, I want a lot. 
And there's more, and there's much, and, it's, and it will last, and it's abundant, and it's not just for you, it's for everybody else, because it's supposed to flow into your life, and then flow out of your life, and that's what the Father is doing. He is tending the grapevine so that the grapes are healthy, so there is fruit, and there is wine, and it flows, and it's abundant, and it's much, and it's joyful. It's not just a miserly bit of the kingdom of God, or a miserable bit of the kingdom of God, or you should feel bad for having a lot of the kingdom of God. It's the abundance of joy and passion and grace and compassion and mercy and faithfulness and fruitfulness and kindness. And you can't help but overflow because you are so rammed full of the fruit of the kingdom of God. And that's what God is wanting to do in your life. More, 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 and more. And when you think you've had more than you can have, he wants you to have more. That's what he's doing. And all you've got to do is remain. And all you've got to do is abide. And all you've got to do is to press into the Christ that saved you. And you get this fruit. Now here's the thing. And I think this may be a little key to, to, to your lack of fruitfulness or your frustration with not being as fruitful as you should be. I think the thing is this. But when I say all you've got to do is abide, there are two different categories of people in this room right now, and you hear it completely differently. I call them the grace monkeys and the law junkies. Okay, so what happens in the room is that when I say um, uh, all you've got to do is abide, there's one group of people that say, yeah, man. I mean, all I got to do is abide. Me and Jesus hanging out, hokey, soaky, pokey. You know, he is jealous for me. Stings like a butterfly, floats like a bee. I'm just enjoying Jesus. And then other thing that's going on there, and you just think it's one, sorry about that. No idea what I did with the lyrics with that one. Um, but we're just, we're just loving Jesus. And then there's the other group who are the law, the law junkies. They're going, men of, it means to abide. I'm going to be the best abider the world has ever seen. I'm going to get it in my schedule. Monday abide, Tuesday abide, Wednesday abide, Thursday abide. Onward, Christian soldier, we're going to abide. And that's what's going on in your hearts and life. And, and, and here's the thing. You need to understand but the fruit flows out of utter dependence on Jesus. That's all you need. And the fruit flows out of utter discipline in walking with Jesus. That's all you need. So listen, 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 you law junkies. When, when you're sitting there thinking, I've got to, I've got to abide, and I've got to make it happen, and I've got to, I've got to sort it out, you, you, need to, you need to hear this thing. See, I grew up with that kind of perspective. I grew up thinking that, that following Jesus and being a Christian was all about the things you shouldn't do. You know, you, there were things you couldn't watch, and there were things you couldn't, you couldn't go to, and there were places you shouldn't be seen, and there were things you shouldn't wear, and there were certainly things you shouldn't say, and there were things you shouldn't say and do on certain days of the week. And it was just, you know, it was very, very confusing for a young guy. And, 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 then, and, and the believing in Jesus was about stacking rules and, and, and theologies up on top of one another. So you believe in Jesus, believe in God, believe in the Holy Spirit, believe in resurrection, believe in this, believe in that, believe in the other thing. And if any of those things, you know, you began to doubt any of those things, the whole thing just began 
began to cascade around you. And that was the way I, 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 I thought it was all about. It was a gospel of not sinning very much. Do you know, I, I knew I was free, but I was only kind of two yards free. I was just outside the prison wall and, and I was always facing that stuff and I was only fighting against the devil and there was a devil here and a devil there and I should, I should be really, really careful about the way in which I behaved the whole time and it will kill you. It will kill you. Let me try this. If, you, if you're here today and you would be willing to admit and to be honest, if you can't be honest in church, there's really no hope for you. Um, <laughs> But if, you know, if, if we're going to be honest, just, just for a moment, the only way to live the Christian life, if you're, if you're a law junkie, the only way to live the Christian life, the fruitful Christian life, is to stop trying to live the Christian life. It's just the only way. I'm sure they'll get me shot, but it's truth nonetheless. The one thing you've got to learn to do is to abide. The one thing you've got to learn to do is just to abide. And the only way you can learn to abide is to be full of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. It's fascinating that this passage of Scripture is bookended on either side with Jesus' most in-depth teaching on the Holy Spirit. The answer to fruitfulness is not about battling and not about striving because that will kill you. It will kill the God life in you and it will kill other people with the shrapnel of your striving and driving life. They'll just get affected by it. Now, the only way is to live by the Spirit. And when you learn to live by the Spirit, the fruit of God just begins to grow in you. Not because you're fighting the flesh, but because you're living by the Spirit. I was trying to work out how do I best explain it, and I've, I've used this illustration before, but it's the only thing I can, I can come up with. It's like trying not to get fat, you ever, you know, it's, it really is, it's like trying, I know this because I'm always doing this thing. It's, it's like, I'm trying not to get fat. And, and what happens if you're trying not to get fat is that you become obsessed with all the things that get you fat. Do you know, I don't know, maybe it's not you, but if you do it correctly, what you do is you start eating healthy and you start training and you start exercising and you start living a healthy life and it's all natural. But if you do it the wrong way, which is the way which I tend to do it, is I become obsessed with chocolate. None of that for me, thank you very much. I'm uh, watching my weight. You know, I'm obsessed with cakes and all these other things. And, and, and instead of not thinking about those things, I think about those things all the time. And it becomes just, and it's like that with this way of living the Christian life. You become more sin obsessed than you are grace obsessed. You become more concerned about the things you're not doing and the things you shouldn't do and the things that you're avoiding. And what happens is you begin to slip into those things because you're thinking about them the whole time. It's just ridiculous. But it's what happens. The way to live the Christian life is to stop trying to live the Christian life. Jesus says this, if you just remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. If you'll let me wash you, if you'll let me lift you, if you will let me prune you, if you will just remain in me, if you will get in step with the Holy Spirit, then you will bear much fruit. Jesus says your abiding will do the fruiting. And you know what? Here's the byproduct. When we, when we strive and we don't abide, we are rubbish witnesses to the kingdom of God. Because you, you bet there are 
hundreds of thousands of people out there who are stressed and striving and busy and driving and it's difficult enough for them anyway and they haven't got the spirit of God and it's hard. They don't know about purpose in life and wisdom in life and they're seeking love in life and they don't know the answers to life and they've got all this stuff going on in in their lives and they look at a church which is equally driving and striving and serious and looking miserable most of the time and they think, well, we have more fun even though we haven't got the answers. The way to live the Christian life is to stop trying to live the Christian life, you law junkies. So lighten up. Lighten up. Just lighten up. And, um, and then there are the grace monkeys. And I know you are loving the first part of that sermon. You're going, yes, you just give it to them. <laughs> I'm just hanging out with Jesus. Yeah, driven people. <laughs> no, 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 listen. Listen. The way to live the Christian life is to start trying to live the Christian life. Because for you, it's all about discipline. There are things that you can't do that only God can do. You can't save yourself, you can't heal anybody, you can't win anyone for the Lord, you can't transform your city, you can't transform your inner person. None of that stuff can happen, that's only of God. But there are jobs that you have to do. There's a role that you have to play. You can remain, you can devote, you can love, you can serve, you can abide. What does that look like? Look at the passage of scripture. You've got to want instruction. You've got to not want to avoid instruction. Verse verse three, it's Jesus' words that make us clean. And it's Jesus' words that continue to make us clean. Verse seven, if you remain in my words and my words remain in you, which is Jesus' explanation of what it means to abide. So he's saying it's not just divorce, it's not just you hanging out with Jesus. You've got to remain in the word of God because the word of God will guide you and will lead you home. And the important thing for you is this. When you invite Jesus into your life, when you pursue him, when he comes in, he doesn't come in as a silent guest. He comes in as an authoritative guest. He comes in as one who has important commands and things to say about your life because he's God and you're not. So it's not just, hey, I'm hanging out with Jesus and he's a friend. No, 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 no. He's the Lord of lords and he's the king of kings and he's got a book out And he has things that he wants to say to you. And he has things that he wants to instruct you in. And he has has revelations about the future. It's the annals of the history of God. It's a glimpse into the future. It's a guide for your life. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. This is the living word of God. I mean, if you want to follow Jesus, would you not want God speaking to you all the time? Why wouldn't you want him speaking to you? He, he's got things he's already said. He is speaking the whole time. He's got a book to guide you. I won't, I won't do this now, but I, I, I asked a few months ago, I said, how many of you read the, the, the Bible through cover to cover? And I was in one of those flippant moods that I get in every now and again, and about, I don't know, about a quarter of the congregation put their hand up, and I said, do you actually love Jesus? Really? 
Because I know the Bible's difficult, and I know I get stuck in Leviticus, and I know there are hard things that I don't really understand, and maybe I'm never going to understand this side of glory. But actually, you know, this, this is his love letter to me. These are the things that he wants to say. This is, this is his instructions to my life. He knows best. How can I say I'm trying to walk with Jesus and not have my life rooted in this, in this book? You grace monkeys, you. And, and what about memorizing bits of this book? And some of you think, oh, that's so old school. Unless you're a navigator and then you think it's really cool. It's just so old school, memorizing the word of God. No, 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 well, listen to this. Do you know, I grew up in the 80s. And apart from the fact that most people think the 80s was the decimation of popular music, I think it was amazing. And, and I have this kind of mind that means that almost every 80s pop hit, I've got it back here somewhere. You know, her name is Rio, and she dances on the sand. You know, I've got it all. I've I got, I got the whole thing. It's there, the back catalogue of Duran Duran, the back catalogue of Depeche Mode. I've got the cure. You know, the whole thing comes, comes out of me. Any given moment, things remind me of it, and it's in my heart. How much more the song of heaven should be in my heart? God's got stuff to say about my life got things he wants to instruct me in. You grace monkeys, you. And then one final thought, you've got to desire intervention if you want to walk with Jesus. I imagine that pruning is a painful process. Well, I know that pruning is a painful process. The scripture says the gardener lifts the fruit, but he also prunes the fruit. It involves intervention. Listen, listen very carefully. If you're going to bear fruit, the gardener is going to have to change some stuff in your life. If, if you're going to bear fruit, he's going to have to cut some stuff off. If you're going to bear fruit, he's going to have to trim some stuff back. If, if you're going to bear fruit, he's going to have to shake you at times, and he's going to have to change some stuff, and he's going to have to shout at you and, and encourage you to move on, and he does it all in love, but that's what he's going to have to do because that's the way fruit comes. You know, so often I, I, I see the effectiveness of leadership so often limited by an unwillingness to engage with the disturbance that comes when the savior of the world wants to prune you. And so often many of us get stuck because we're not willing to say, Father, I want to be fruitful, I want to be a disciple, so I'm open to your scalpel. I'm open to your discipline. I'm willing to change the stuff in my life that are incompatible with you. I'm up for disturbance. If you want fruitfulness, you've got to crave intervention. It's just, just a normative process. It says fruitfulness is natural, it's normal, that's what's supposed to happen, but if you're going to be fruitful, then you've got to crave intervention. You've got to crave instruction. You, grace monkeys. So I'm going to shut up in a second, but before I do, I think there's two things that Father God would say to us today. The first is this, um, will you let me love you? If you have a predisposition to being a law junkie, I need to ask you this, will you let me love you? Will you let me just pour my love into your heart and life? 
Because I'm going to ask you to flow with that love, but it's not going to flow unless it's in. It can't out unless it's in. Will you just let me love you? Will you just, will you just let me hang out with you? Will you just let me remain with you? Because I love you deeply, and, but I need you to let me love you. And then the second thing I think, and maybe the slightly weird thing I think he would also say is, would you let me whack you? I was reading a gardening book this week, and the gardening book told me that um, if you've got a vine that is dead, that it hasn't actually got any fruit on it, maybe it's got a bit of blossom, one of the techniques that a gardener or a vine dresser would use is to take a big stick and he'd start whacking the branches of the vine. Now, the idea is that you, you, you split um, and you cut the bark and you begin the possibility of having fruitfulness. And, and, and I think probably that what the father would say is, would you let me whack you? Would you let me shake you? Would you let me intervene? Would you let me prune you? Would you let me change some stuff? Would you let me get rid of some stuff? And it will be a painful process and an uncomfortable process and we don't even like to talk about it because we only ever really like to talk about the Father's love looking like a hug. But would you let me shake you? Because my primary concern for you is that you follow me. And my primary concern for that is that you are fruitful and that other people receive that fruitfulness. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And I think it freaked the disciples out when he said that. Because they knew that he was handing the whole thing onto them. Let's pray. quietness, just, um, just hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, abide and remain and you will bear much fruit. Abide and remain and you will bear much fruit. Not a little fruit, but a lot of fruit. And walk in the opposite spirit of your predisposition. And where you want to control it all, let go. And surrender to his control. And where you want to be incredibly passive about the whole process and just let it happen. Take responsibility for abiding and walking. And just ask the Father for fruit. And where in, in this building today there needs broken off of us a conservatism and a restriction around the abundance and life of the kingdom of God, I break that off in the name of Jesus that we might have joy 
and fullness and abundance and life that will be for the benefit of everybody else as well as us. Father, we love you. We love the way you deal with us. Amen. Amen. Guys, we've got um, a few minutes. We're just going to spend some time worshipping Jesus. I, I think that, um, I mean, whether I preached it well or not, this word is really important for us. Whether it was clear or not, let's trust the Holy Spirit to make it clear to us. And uh, I'm going to do something quite different today. We're going to split our prayer team. Um, and uh, the prayer team is going to be here. And here. I hope we've got enough. If we haven't, we'll just find some more. Um, uh, we're going to split our prayer team. And over to my right, if, if God's been speaking to you about the fact that actually you, you're a law junkie and you've been trying to make it happen in your own effort and in your own strength for years, and your lack of fruitfulness is about the fact that you're unwilling just to abide. And you, want, you, you know today what you need is a filling of the Holy Spirit. You know today you need to let him have his way. You know you need to let go of some stuff because you've been trying to run it yourself and that's, that's, that's causing the lack of fruit. And you might be up in the gallery so there's no excuse being up there. Um, and, and you'd love someone just to pray for you. They're not going to counsel you. They're not going to give you 10 ways to make this happen. They're just going to pray the Holy Spirit would come and bless you and you get it. You'd be free of that striving and driving which you know is unfruitful. That's over here. If, um, if the opposite is true for you and you're, you're a grace, whatever I called it, monkey, you're a grace monkey and you've just been kind of hanging out with Jesus but you know you need to take responsibility for your walk with God. Actually, you need to say, I'm stepping up. I'm stepping up. I want intervention. I want intervention. I want him to challenge me. I want him to change me. Then over to my left here, um, for you guys um, and it's a safe place so you know no one's judging anybody we've all got our stuff you know it might, this word might not be for you and that's okay you just hang out with Jesus and worship him and make your own personal response but it may well be for you because you're actually tired of the lack of fruitfulness you're tired of it and you want to respond so let's worship Jesus let's just see what the Holy Spirit will do and let's respond so prayer team split and, uh, and let's go and do it